Hey, real quick, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming conference that you might be interested in attending. It's the Joy in the Home Marriage and Family Conference featuring Todd as the guest speaker. It takes place Saturday, September 17th at Foothills Community Church in Marble Hill, Georgia. Hey, that's my church. The conference will start at 5.30 p.m. with dinner provided just prior to the conference at 4.30 p.m. by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I told him to do that just to get up Todd's nose. So if you live in the North Georgia area or you just want to make the drive, make your plans now to attend on Saturday, September the 17th by going to foothillscommunitychurch.org to get all of the details and your tickets. We can't wait to see you. And now, our British friend. Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? Yes. People say stuff like that. I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism. And I have a little pool here and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, no, this is not Todd. Actually, I am the much shorter Jimmy Hicks in the studio today, which can only mean that Todd is out on campus. It's a Witness Wednesday here at Wretched Radio. And again, Todd and the team are out on the campus looking for students to chat with, to talk life with, to talk worldviews, and ultimately to share Christ with. Today, they're at Kennesaw State University. So let's go there with them now. Joe, you're studying history, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. So what is the point of history? Um, Basically, the point of history is to learn about, you know, where we come from, uh, you know, all the things from the past in, in order to help, you know, decide a better future and create a better future. So why why do you think we human beings should want to create a better future? Um, I guess so we don't repeat, you know, the horrible things that have happened in the past. Um, things like, you know, genocide and slavery that still continue to happen, unfortunately. But but yeah, that's basically the point of it. Okay, I agree with you. But let me ask you a question about the ethical basis for making that statement. All right, you just said that genocide is bad, agreed. Slavery, bad, agreed. Racism, sexism, bad, bad, bad. But what is your ethical basis for making those definitive moral claims? Um, I'm not sure. I think just, you know, as a human being, you know, I like to see, you know, things that I feel are right. I'm not sure what makes those right but you know in my in my heart i feel like you know that's uh i agree i agree with you uh yeah but how do you how are you able to make the claim definitively mistreatment of human beings is always at all times in all places wrong well maybe not in all cases i feel like you know sometimes you know like sentencing you know and like uh, the legal system, court system, you know, mistreatment yes. is what, like like abusing somebody, oh, hurting right, right. somebody, treating them unkindly. Those things you and I would agree. Those things are always wrong. Correct? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Unfair treatment, you know, and uh, abuse is is wrong. Yeah, I would. Agree with that. But how do you, Joe, make that claim? By what authority do you make that statement? Um. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to answer that. I guess like just as a as a human being, you know. <laughs> All right. So I'm talking about ethics or morality. Oh, okay. What is your source of ethics or morality? Um, source of I guess just you know 
I'm not sure I'd answer that. I think just whatever I, I deem as, you know, right and wrong and, you know, good and bad. And right, Let me try to reason with you on something, okay. all right? If you and I saw a small child getting abused, hurt by somebody bigger, stronger, it would be weird if we said, you know what, we don't prefer you do that. That sounds weird, right? We'd go, hey, that's wrong. Stop doing that, correct? Um, Yeah, probably. Right. Yes, sir. Right. And I think the only way, Joe, that you and I can make any sort of moral statement like that is only if there is a source of morality. If there is not an objective law giver, then all you and I can have are mere preferences. Sort of, sort of like this. If you and I are driving on a country road mm -hmm. and there's no speed limit signs. Right. We can drive as fast as we want. And if a farmer yells at you, slow down, you can say, well, that's just your preference. But you're not doing anything wrong because no authority has determined you're doing anything wrong. But if the authority puts up a speed limit sign that says 25 miles an hour, anything over 25 is wrong. But the only way that speeding is wrong is if a lawgiver has determined what is correct and what is not. Right. Right. Same thing is true with ethical issues like beating up a child. Yeah. We, we know that's not a preference issue. We know that's wrong. And so when you and I observe reality mm. and we agree that there are objectively some things that are downright evil, we have just reasoned our way back to God, yeah. that there must be a God. Mm. Otherwise, you and I would only have preferences. Mm. But because you and I have moral standards that we know are absolutes, that intuits, that tells us God exists. So I think you and I agree on those things and everybody on the planet agrees on those things. Yes. It's because there's a God who has determined those things are always wrong. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a God. And um, I think the, um, the, I don't know about you, but the Christian, you know, principles, uh, Ten Commandments are kind of like basically the social, you know, rules that we kind of follow, you know, right. whether we know it or not or, you know. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. Are you a Christian? I'm a Christian, yes. Okay. So, so wouldn't then that be your source of morality and ethics? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big. I haven't gone to church in a while. Um, but that is kind of my my belief system, and you know what I my, the faith I abide by. And yeah, did you grow up in a Christian home? Yes, I did. Right. But you're not so much right now. No, it's just kind of I haven't really found a good church home since I've been in in college. But um, yes, that is uh, when I do go home, we do go to church. Yeah. But but going to church aside, it sounds like you grew up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. So your parents maybe tried to indoctrinate you, you know, teach you what they believed was correct. Maybe so. I, not so much. No, nah, not so much. Okay. <laughs> but you went to a church. What kind of church? It was a Methodist church. Okay, so you went to a church, but now it, it's that that faith is a little bit detached from you. Um, I wouldn't say it's detached. I just wouldn't say that I've um that I've attended it. Attended a church recently. I'm just tell me if I've got this right. So it sounds to me Joe, like what you think your Christian faith is about, what demonstrates your Christianity is church attendance. Oh, no, no, I, I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, really to me, it's just how you are as a, as a human being, you know, how you treat other people and how you believe, um, believe in God and Jesus and, you know, all that stuff. Right. So, Joe, tell me, as a Christian, right, if I approached you and I said, Joe, I've been watching your lifestyle. You seem like a decent fellow. What do you believe about God? What would you tell me? I believe that there is a God, that he's, you know, almighty and he is all good um, and that he's always with us. 
And I think that, you know, Jesus died on the cross for all of us, you know, not just Christians, but all human beings so that we can live, you know, a world without fear and without sin. But that's just me. That's just my beliefs. So if I wanted to become like you, I wanted to become a Christian like you, what would you tell me that I must do to become a Christian? Well, I think you just have to ask yourself a lot of questions like, you know, why would I want to become a Christian? You know, what is missing from my life that makes me, you know, want to become a Christian? Um, and once you answer those, I think, you know, reading the Bible and um, just evaluating yourself and then, you know, coming to the realization that God is with me and God, that God is good and that God um, is always with you and is in your heart. And then I would follow up and say, what is the number one reason, Joe, that you would give me to become a Christian? What would you say? I would say that that feeling of fulfillment that you might be lacking. I don't know if you are lacking. I'm just, you know, um, let's say, I, let's say I'm not lacking it. I'm, uh, I'm pretty fulfilled. Okay. Well, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I would say, yeah, I'm not sure. Can I turn the tables? Yes. Yeah, you approach me okay. and you say, tall, skinny guy, what do you believe about God? Mm -hmm. right. I would say, well, I believe that the God who clearly made everything, because if you've got to create creation, there's got to be a creator. Yeah. You know, you got to watch. You don't think that happened by itself and that yeah. that watch ain't nothing compared to the universe. So clearly there's a watchmaker because there's a watch. Mm. There's a creation. There's got to be a creator. We have morals and values that we agree are objectively always in place. They're fixed. That tells me that there's a moral law giver, yeah. that there is a God who is moral and who is just and who is creative and who is powerful. And I believe that God is revealed to us in the Bible. Yeah. And the Bible tells us something that we don't like to hear very much, that everybody falls short of that God's standard. Yeah. His standard is moral perfection. It's complete holiness. Mm -hmm. And so if you and I aren't completely moral and holy, then that God, because he is just, he must punish us for our law breaking. Oh, well, I mean, I think that is true. But if you, you know, I think Jesus died for us and he took, you know, the ultimate punishment so that we wouldn't have to. Um, and I think I, 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 I do agree with that. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But we haven't gotten that far yet. Oh, okay. Do you agree with me, though, what I just because you kind of went like this when I was saying that God would give people what they deserve and send them to hell. Do you think that's true? Well, I think I mean, to an extent, I think that's true. But I think, you know, if you if you really, you know, you know, ask for forgiveness of your sins and um, your mistakes, then I think if you truly you know, want forgiveness, that he will grant you that. Why would he? Because he is understanding. And I think that he is merciful, um, not merciless. And um well, I agree with that, but I think I think that there's something kind of missing here, because let's imagine that you knew somebody, your next door neighbor had done some violent crimes, committed some really heinous acts, was brought before the judge. Mm -hmm. The judge knew that he was guilty. All the evidence is in. And the judge says, but you know what? I'm merciful and I'm really nice. So I'm just going to let you go. You wouldn't like that, would you? I guess not. Um Especially if he wasn't sorry for what he had done. Even if he were, let's just say the guy said, look, judge, I'm really, really sorry. And the judge said, okay, you're sorry. I'll let you go. That wouldn't be right either, would it? Oh, yeah, I guess not. You know, there has to be some, some form of, you know, 
punishment if he what he did was really bad. And Sorry, I do have to be that guy right now and interrupt. I know this is not the best place to stop, but is it ever really a good time to stop? Okay, we do have to step away briefly, take a break, but the tape is still rolling, and we are going to continue with Todd and Joe next from Kennesaw State University. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Here's a fun fact. Did you know Todd also hosts a daily TV program? Yep, that's right. Wretched TV is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters, conversations about tough theological issues, and like a jillion other things. And you can find Wretched TV pretty much everywhere. It's airing on over 135 Christian TV networks. You'll also find the show on streaming services like Roku, American Gospel TV, Answers in Genesis TV, Amazon Fire TV, and as always, the very trustworthy and reliable wretched.org. This, of course, is only possible because of our gospel partners. It's through their kindness and generosity and commitment to the gospel that we're able to reach millions of people all over the world every year. And so can I ask you to please pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. You can find out more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner at wretched.org slash donate. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Important dates in Christian history. 1559. John Knox returns to Scotland to lead reformation there after a period of exile in Calvin's Geneva. Knox founded the Presbyterian Church, which became a driving force in English politics and the American Revolution. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back. It is a Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd is out on the campus of Kennesaw State University. We've been listening to him chat with Joe, a future history teacher and self-professed Christian. So let's now return to their conversation. The reason that you and I think that way about things like justice and righteousness and what is good and bad, minds us again, we have court systems because there's a heavenly court system. There's a judge on earth because there's there's a judge in heaven. It's kind of where we get our thinking on all of these issues. It just reminds us that God exists. Mm -hmm. So if God is a judge and he opens up the books, let's just say on you for a moment. He takes your life, calls you up, he opens them up and he knows everything about Joe. Mm-hmm. everything okay not just the stuff that he got busted for uh-huh. but the stuff you don't want your parents or anybody on campus to know about he knows it all mm-hmm. right and he is just and he is holy and he is righteous and you deserve his punishment for breaking his laws right you got the scene mm-hmm. god's about to slam the gavel and sentence you a guilty criminal to hell because you've broken his laws, Joe, what would you say to God in that moment? Well, I would say, I guess I'm sorry. Um, Too late. Yeah. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for, um, I don't know what I'd say. But keep thinking, right? Because you've actually said the answer earlier. I'm just maybe trying to connect the dots a little bit for you. You did give the answer earlier. Think back on some of the things that you've told me. And I think you'll find your answer. You're a guilty criminal. God must punish you. But what? What's what's the rest of Christianity teach us? Um, I don't know. What? All right. So here's what we got. God is holy. He's righteous. He's just. He must punish lawbreakers. You and I are lawbreakers, so he will punish us. But God is rich in mercy and he delights in forgiving sinners. But here's the here's the tension in our scenario. If a judge just forgives the criminal, he's not just. So he would be violating what it is that he has sworn to uphold. If God just let guilty criminals go, he would be actually violating his own nature. He, he can't do that because he's righteous and he's holy. So he must punish lawbreakers, but he's rich in mercy. So we feel some tension here. He wants to forgive the guilty criminal, but something has to happen. Justice has to be satisfied. Yeah. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take on human flesh, to live a perfect life. He never sass-mouthed his parents. He never stole anything, never lied, never looked at porn, never looked with lust, lived a righteous life, died, was executed by the very people he had created, died a brutal death on a cross, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven because he was doing something. He was satisfying justice. God, the Father, was pouring out his wrath on God, the Son, on Joe's behalf Mm -hmm. so that you can have your court case dismissed, so that you can be forgiven. Jesus Christ satisfies justice on your behalf. And now you can be set free because of what Christ has done. 
That is how God can be just and the justifier of those who believe in him. So now he's satisfied justice, and now he can grant forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ did on your behalf. That is the good news of the gospel, that Joe the criminal can be adopted into God's family because of Jesus Christ the Son. That's the good news of Christianity. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that, yes. So now my question is, Joe, this is important. You're a thoughtful guy. Think this through carefully. The devils believe that. They know he did that, right? But they're still devils. So we can, but we can like get it. Oh yeah, okay, right, Jesus did that. The Bible says that you must repent, knowing that God sent his son to die for you, demonstrating his kindness. It should cause you to turn from your sins, not in perfection, but it's like, man, I don't want to keep doing those things anymore. I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ because he's the best thing in the universe. He died for me while I was an enemy. While I was sinning, he died for me. I want to put my trust in him. The Bible calls it being born again. Jesus said it. A man must be born again to inherit eternal life. It means a man must come to the end of himself and realizing I'm not a good man. I'm an evil man. I'm a bad man. I deserve God's wrath, but he sent his son to die for me. And you turn from your sins and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be born again, to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Mm. Joe, have you done that? Have you been born again? Um... No, I don't think so. I don't think I've been, I haven't felt like I've been born again, you know. Um, I think I've been basically the same my whole life. Um, so, mm. yeah, that's, yeah, I haven't had that, I haven't had that feeling, but hopefully I do one day, you know. <clears throat> so why one day? Because I feel like I've, I probably need it. Um, I probably, I mean, I haven't fulfilled, I haven't done, you know, what, what I need to do, you know, for God and for Christianity. I haven't done my part, I feel like. Can I just grab a little piece of something you just said? Mm -hmm. You hope to do your part for him someday. I just want to tweak that a bit. What I just said to you, Joe, is you, you don't play a part in it. Jesus does. He's the one who plays the part. He's the one who does everything to satisfy the wrath of God for you. You don't do anything but throw yourself at his mercy and he forgives you totally. You don't do anything. You, you don't clean yourself up. You don't start doing good things, giving away your money to please God so that you can get his forgiveness. It's all been done. Remember when Jesus was on the cross right before he died, he said, it is finished. It's done. The debt has been paid totally in full for you. The work is done. You just need to surrender to your king, put your trust in him, and now you live your life in service to him, not to appease him, not to make him love you. You're already loved in Christ, and that's why you go about serving him, because he's loved you first. Mm -hmm. That's Christianity. That's why it's called good news. We do works not to be forgiven. We do works because we've been forgiven. Dude, it's like somebody came and said, I've done all the studying for you. You're great, so you got an A+. Just trust it, just rest. What would you think of me if I offered you A-pluses because I did the work for you? You'd be yeah. pretty happy with me. <laughs> yes. All right, this is a little bit more than doing homework for you. 
This is God dying for you, taking the wrath that you and I deserve for being lawbreakers. We're the criminals, we're in the shackles, and Jesus Christ sets us free. That's the good news of the gospel. So, Joe, look, I, I just met you, mm-hmm. but right now, salvation is standing in front of you in Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation, not next Thursday. Don't put it off. And it's not because you should just be worried about going to hell. That's a reasonable consideration that you would die and go to hell. That would be awful. But that's not what Christianity is primarily about. You shouldn't put your trust in Jesus simply because you're afraid of going to hell. You should put your trust in him because he saved you from hell. It's the kindness of God that should lead you to repent, to turn from your sins and put your trust in him and be forgiven by him. And then your whole life, look, you're going to still study what you're going to study to become a teacher in history. Mm -hmm. You're going to get married. God will give you kids, all sweet and cool, but you're going to be doing it for him Mm -hmm. because he's the one who died for you because he's the best thing in the universe. Mm -hmm. So this is an offer, not just a fire escape plan but to be in a right relationship with your God. So now I'm walking away. I'm probably never going to see you again, most likely. But right now, you know the truth. And I would simply beg you, don't let the day pass. I wouldn't let the hour pass. Either throw yourself at his mercy, be forgiven, be adopted into God's family, or, or just reject him outright. But don't don't play around with it because... That's it's, it's he's not an option. Mm-hmm. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. He's not just your life raft. He's the captain of your salvation. And he's good and he's kind and he's benevolent. He's been very kind to you in keeping you alive. He should have squashed you. He should have squashed me. I was a very bad man, but he's kept us alive. And now you know the words of life. And so it's sitting here for you today. Respond to it. Just call out to God talk to God. That's all. All right. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate that. You tell me that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I need to. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate that. Ooh. Can I pray for you? Yes. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. You know, Joe, I think resembles so many Christians today or self-identified Christians who believe themselves to be saved because they grew up going to church, grew up in a Christian home or even live in the Bible Belt. And look, that was me even a decade ago. But Joe, when he was confronted with who he really is before a holy God, it seems like he began to start realizing that maybe he's not born again after all. Let's all be praying for Joe and sit tight because we're not finished yet. More witnessing is on the way next. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Last week, the Biden administration finally shut down that weird disinformation governance board, or AKA the You Better Not Disagree With Us board, after it received tons of backlash. The board was supposed to be combating alleged misinformation, but I guess when everybody's a postmodern these days, they really just couldn't agree on whose truth was going to be the actual truth that they were going to use as the standard, so they just shut it down. 
And here's an aggressive attempt at communism in D.C. The mayor of D.C. has announced that children who have not had the COVID vaccine will not only not be allowed to attend school in person this year, but they will also not have an option for remote learning. It's obviously an attempt to force parents to vaccinate their children, but I'm going to be a prophet for just a second and see this as something that will likely backfire and cause more and more parents to pull their kids from public school. And a woke diversity trainer, that feels redundant, a woke diversity trainer at TD Bank, which is one of the largest financial institutions in Canada, has suggested that employees should not vote for conservative candidates, but instead they should vote for candidates who are liberal or NDP. That's the new Democratic Party. The trainer was recorded telling workers that conservatives do not care for Canada's indigenous people and then followed that comment up with this. I haven't really voted that much, but from what I know, I don't know. So she doesn't vote very much and she admits to not knowing very much about the issues, yet she has all of the answers about how people should vote. That's not the type of advice you want to take. And now, news from the People's Republic of California. First, the state assembly passed a bill on Monday that seeks to establish the state as a sanctuary for children seeking transgender medical treatment. So basically, if you live in any other state and you're against your child mutilating their bodies, California is looking to be able to take your children from you and then pay to fund their body mutilation. Honestly, how is this not kidnapping? Also, California is looking to spend even more of their taxpayers' money to help women from other states travel to California to murder their unborn babies. And I'm not sure just how much money they've allocated for the kidnapping children bill, which allows them to mutilate their bodies, but they've allocated $20 million to help with baby murder, so let's say it's half of that. Let's say it's $10 million. It just makes you wonder, at least it does me, if California would spend $30 million in their own state, just how much could they do about the homeless issue that's being talked about so much? But not all California news is bad news. Last week, a district judge ruled that a state law that mandated companies, including religious organizations, pay for elective abortions as part of their health plans is unconstitutional. So the state's attempt to force churches to fund baby murder was overturned by a judge with some common sense and common decency. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Mark was a follower of Christ, traveling companion of Paul, an associate of Peter. His gospel presents Jesus as the Son of God. Here, Jesus is the perfect example of self-sacrifice, the suffering servant who died as a ransom for our sins. When you suffer for obedience to Christ, do not be ashamed. For Christ suffered and died for our disobedience. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We are back to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio while Todd is out on the campus of Kennesaw State University this week. And we have no time to waste. Let's get back to the witnessing. Garrett, I know you're studying marketing, but I want to talk to you about ethics. Have you taken an ethics class yet? I have not. Have you studied it in any regard? I have not. And you're going to have to make this stuff up. You ready? Okay. What is your source for your ethical standards? What is my source? Can you go in more into depth with that? What do you mean? Like, Well, I trust that you believe certain things are good, certain things are bad, right, wrong, maybe evil, maybe nice. How do you define and determine what things are good, bad, right, and wrong? The outcomes of them? 
the yeah the outcomes of them. So you would be a pragmatist. What does that mean? It means if the outcome is good, then it's whatever it is that it takes to get there is fine because the outcome is good. Yeah, I agree with that. May I challenge your worldview? Yeah, I'll go. I'll do an extreme one. All right, Nazi Germany. All right, Joseph Mengele was a doctor who did really wicked experiments on Jewish people in prison camps. I mean, you can't even imagine the evil things that this guy did. But because of it, he did make some medical discoveries. Therefore, what happened in concentration camps was good. No, because the outcome was not good. But we have some, we did make some scientific progress. So that's the good outcome. Yeah, but I guess you could get a good outcome out of it and bad, bad outcome, but it's more bad than good, obviously. But with that, with, with that scenario, even though it's flawed, wouldn't that challenge the idea that the ends justifies the means? Yes, it would. So maybe operating under just because a good outcome happens, that doesn't justify the way that we behave or live. So maybe pragmatism doesn't stand up under its own weight. Yeah, it's true. I agree with that. All right. So let's say things that we all agree on, like murder is bad, Mm -hmm. beating up a little kid, bad, rape, bad. All right. Why are those things bad in your opinion, Garrett? Why is rape bad? All that stuff. Um, It seems so easy to say, but like you have to really think about it. Like it's because it torments people. It affects their night or their life after that negatively in a very bad way. Like, and they they don't don't forget about that kind of stuff. And it just torments them all around in their heads and whatever. Not trying to be silly, but why is that bad? I don't know. Maybe because just not how, like what, like our right morals to like, I guess people, like if depends on, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, what do you think about it? Well, I, I think that if there's any sort of moral absolutes that you and I would agree on, and we do, like all those things, we, we just something inside of us knows those things are bad. Mm-hmm. But the only way that we can know something is objectively wrong, if there is only if there is an objective lawgiver or a higher moral standard, if there isn't a lawgiver, if there isn't somebody who has determined what is objectively right and wrong, everything else would merely be a preference. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you and I were driving down Highway 85 and there were no speeding signs, there were no, no speed limit signs, you can drive as fast as you want and it's just your preference. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the authority puts up 55 or 65, all right, then the objective lawgiver said, this is how fast you'll drive no further. Mm-hmm. The only way that there can be anything that is wrong is if an authority has determined that is always wrong. Otherwise, everything we see is mere preference. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. But do you realize the implications of that? Yeah, but rape would rape is against the law, though. Like true, but it, I'm I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking about you, Garrett. Knowing that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, just how you're raised up morally and stuff like that. Is that what you mean? Well, that's true. We could be persuaded that, but I, I still think when we look around the globe, I think every culture universally agrees those things are just wrong. Yeah, and the implication of that, though, is if I'm going to use a little reason and logic, that would tell me if I observe that there are objective laws, some things that are immoral all the time in all places, I've just reasoned my way to God. Mm-hmm. Because the only way that we can know as people that those things are always wrong is if a supreme authority 
has determined those things are always wrong. Yeah, that's a lot, but yeah. Yeah. I agree, yeah. Actually, what I, what I just shared with you is called the, uh, it's, it's the transcendental argument for the existence of God. Okay. That if we ab agree, we observe reality, we look around and we go, setting somebody on fire yeah. is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Now I must ask, why is that bad? As opposed to, you know what, I just don't prefer that a woman is set on fire. You say, no, that's just always wrong. That tells me there is somebody who has determined that is always wrong. Otherwise, there would be no absolute morality. Then you want me to, you, you're asking me what? I didn't really ask you anything. Yeah. I was just laying it out for yeah, you. That, okay. that the implication of recognizing that there are objective evil things mm -hmm. actually leads us back to intuiting that God exists. Mm -hmm, definitely. Right. I definitely agree with that. So you believe that a God exists? Yes. Who do you think that God is? the father of Jesus Christ. Oh, so you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't that be your standard for ethical decisions? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, Garrett, did you grow up in a Christian home? Yes, but we, but my family did not, they didn't practice church as much, so I went as much as I could. How long have you been on campus? Uh, today? No, just for how many years, semesters? Uh, three semesters, so a year and a half. Have you felt any pressure here about your faith that Maybe you should reconsider what you believe from the university professors, textbooks. I have not. No. That's, that's pretty amazing. All right. If I sat down on this bench next to you and I said, Garrett, I would like to believe what you believe. Okay. All right. I'd like to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. Two parts. Why should I become a Christian? And how would you tell me to become a Christian? You got it? Why, why and how? Why first? Why should I become a Christian? Why? That's up to you. I mean, if you want to... I want you to sell me. Yeah, that's my major, so I should be able to do it. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I've, I've practiced, like, I mean, I've, I, I believe in God, Jesus Christ, all that stuff, like the Bible, all that. It's just I don't have too much knowledge about it. Like, I go to church, like, I listen to the testimonies the pastor has to say, but I don't know if I have enough information for to sell it to you. That's what I mean. Then I would ask then, why do you believe it? Because it's just what I know. Like, it's just what I feel is correct for me. Okay. It's different for every person, but for me, I feel like it's correct. So you didn't quite give me a, yeah. a, a reason to do it. All right. How would I become a Christian? Attend church, read the Bible, um, talk to a pastor one-on-one -on -one about new coming into the faith. Just that kind of stuff. Let me change the scenario. I don't sit down on the bench next to you and ask you that question politely. I come crawling up to you on my knees with a knife in the middle of my back. I can't get out. I'm bleeding out. I've got 30 seconds to live. Tell me, Garrett, what must I do to become a Christian? Go. You're going to die? I got none about 25. <laughs> and there, there's just... There's not 25 seconds is way too short of a time to just become a Christian like that. It right. just can't. I mean, you, I don't know. So it's a process. Yeah, it's definitely a process. Can we roll reverse? Yeah. You got the knife in your back. Okay. You come up to me and you say, I'm scared to die. I got a bad feeling. Help me. What must I do? Okay. I would perhaps say something like this. Garrett, would you agree with me that you have done things that God does not approve 
of like lying and stealing and cheating. Those things are called sins. And the just punishment for sin is death. So God's going to send you to hell. But he's rich in mercy and he wants to forgive you. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, taking the punishment that you deserve so your sins can be forgiven. Garrett, you've got 10 seconds. Repent. Put your trust in Jesus Christ like the thief on the cross. He'll forgive you of all of your sins and grant you everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Then I'd go call 911. It's a good argument. Definitely. You said something kind of interesting. It was kind of a tell that indicates you might be postmodern. Do you know what that term means? Uh, I have a understanding of it, but I don't know the full definition. Pre-modernism, historically, philosophically, would be the time of Jesus Christ to give or take 1400, we'll call it that time, mm -hmm. pre-modern. Basically, whatever the church said, whatever the Bible said, that's what you believe. Yeah. God exists. We don't question it. God says at the end, that's called the pre-modern era, age of enlightenment, age of reason, mm -hmm. the scientific era, the age of secular humanism enters in. We start to question the existence of God and we start believing God doesn't have the answers if he exists at all. Humans do. That's the modern era. Okay. So scientifically, we determine why things exist, how the world operates. Humans have the answer. 1989, the fall of the Berlin Wall. And it was 89 years of looking back on a century where we realized man was not doing a good job with running the planet. World Wars One, World Wars Two, the fall of the Berlin Wall, philosophers would say that ended the modern era and entered into the postmodern era, especially the French philosophers. They introduced ideas that truth cannot be known. It isn't graspable. God doesn't know it. He doesn't exist. We don't know it. Truth is personal. It's not that God determines it. It's not that humans determine it. We all determine it for ourselves. So whatever works for you, that is your truth. Okay, stop just a moment. Gotta be that guy again. We have to take a break in the action right now. But is Garrett a postmodern thinker? We'll find out next when Witness Wednesday returns. This is Wretched Radio. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebombed. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasound, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Have you ever wanted to break bread with Todd? If so, you probably shouldn't. The guy chews with his mouth open. But let me tell you about our newest production here at Wretched. It's called Breaking Bread, and Todd sits down with a special guest each quarter to discuss pertinent issues Christians are facing. Guests like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Steve Lawson, Justin Peters, Ray Comfort, Tim Challies, and others. Those guys were selfless, and they sacrificed themselves for you. They sat down and broke bread with Todd so you don't have to. You'll be able to view a brand new Breaking Bread each quarter 
totally free on the Wretched YouTube channel. Hear topics like racism, aging and dying well, shepherding a child's heart, the fear of evangelism, how not to be a discernment jerk, and more were all discussed on Breaking Bread, which is another production made possible by our gospel partners. To learn more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner, just visit wretched.org slash donate. And to learn more about Breaking Bread, visit wretched.org slash breaking bread. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Titles of Christ in the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Bridegroom. Christians are waiting for Christ's return, which the book of Revelation describes as the wedding of the Lamb. Christ will come to usher his bride, his church, into eternity with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back to Wretched Radio. This, of course, is Witness Wednesday. And when we last left Todd, he and Garrett were attempting to determine if Garrett was a postmodern thinker. So let's jump back to the campus now and see what they have learned. So you kind of indicated you might be a postmodern kind of guy when you said, hey, it's just what works yeah. for me. But that doesn't mean it's objectively true. Yeah, that's it. Obviously, yeah, I agree with that completely. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I believe that the building that we're looking at is actually an elephant with purple polka dots, is that an elephant with purple polka dots? No. Because my beliefs don't alter reality, do they? That's either a building or it's not. Yeah. All right. So either Jesus Christ is God in flesh who died for sinners or he's not. Either Christ is true or he's not, but he's not a preference mm -hmm. that you can just go, he works for me. It's yeah. not the way it is, not with his claims, all right? So here's my question for you, Garrett. Are you a Christian? Yes. How do you know that? Deep down inside, I know that I'm a Christian. That's what I believe, and that's what I'm gonna believe the rest of my life. Here's what Jesus said. Unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. So we gotta figure out what that term means. Unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Are you born again? I don't know. Well, if you're gonna be born again, clearly you're not going back into your mother's womb and coming back out. That's ridiculous, so it doesn't mean delivery again. Here's what the Bible says. You and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are spiritually dead. God must make us alive and grant us faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. We become born again. It's the time when you realize 
scared. You're not a good person like the rest of us. You've broken God's laws. You have lied. You dishonored your parents. You took God's name in vain. You've lusted. Perhaps you've done more than that that you don't want anybody to know about. Images you've looked at on the computer screen and you realize, I am a bad person. Mm -hmm. And God is not going to treat me in a way that I prefer. But God is rich in mercy and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for me so I don't have to pay the punishment for my crimes against God. I can be totally forgiven. I want to trust him. And you turn from your sins and you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be born again, a recognition. I am a totally depraved sinner. I'm not a good guy. I look good. I act good for people. I pay my taxes, but I am in my heart a wicked man. But Jesus loved me and died for me anyway. And I can be forgiven and in a right relationship with God. And I'm putting my wholehearted trust in him. That's what it means to be born again. Yeah, I agree. Are you I born again? Like that. Yes, I'm born again. When did that happen? It's like a baptism kind of thing, you mean? Like a confession? Well, yeah. the ba- baptism is, is more of the external symbol of an internal yeah. work. All right. All right. So I, when I was 12, 13. What happened? Uh, I just went to my church and just... Basically, said what you said. Like, I, I know I'm not perfect. I'm not exactly what I'm not like a god. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, and that's why. I mean, that's I, I just I'm a sinner, so I know like that's what Jesus is here for. That's why God sent him is for for sins. So you're saved. I say yeah. So this building collapses, takes us both out. You stand before God, and He says to you, Garrett, why should I let you in to my kingdom? What would you say to Him? So it's up to Him. I mean. I don't really have any persuasion on his choice. That's if he if he's followed me, he knows like how I've been throughout my whole life uh, in supporting uh, that spiritual his spiritual belief, and I'm not going to try to persuade him. I mean, in one sense, I would agree with you. You and I aren't going to persuade God, but here's what you could do: you could say, "Lord, you shouldn't let me into your kingdom, but I am begging you on behalf of Jesus Christ, who promised me that I would inherit eternal life." because he died to forgive me a sinner. So you shouldn't let me in, but because of Jesus, would you let me into your kingdom? So you can go to heaven for sure because of what Christ did for you. No merits of your own. Christ was the one who will take you there. Garrett, do you have a Bible? Yes. How often do you read it? Uh, I read about two, three hours a week. Do you? That's more than most. On a good week. All right. So you're going to be graduating in a couple of years, years, two years. All right. And you're going to be pursuing marketing or sales or pharmaceutical sales. And that brings a lot of money and it brings a lot of nice stuff. God will grant you a wife. He'll give you kids, all really good stuff. But I want to encourage you as a young man, set your sights higher. This stuff is important. I'm not just telling you to throw your books away, but there's a book that's more important and it's your Bible because that's the book that'll help you to understand God better. And it'll help you to understand you better. And it'll set your feet in a higher path so that you'll be living not just to sell more pharmaceuticals or to have a nice home and garden, but because you're going to be becoming more and more like Christ. That's our goal. That's the Christian's desire because he's the best one. So as you go through all of this stuff, set your sights higher on Christ to become like him. And all this stuff will take care of itself. Dude, I'm glad I sat down and chatted with you. Thanks for putting up with me. Appreciate it. And let's all be praying for young Garrett. Is he truly born again? Possibly, that certainly may be the case, but it does no harm for us to pray for the young man. Okay, now let's switch gears just a moment. We still have a few minutes left here on Witness Wednesday. And you know, a lot of times I think we, and look, 
I, I'm guilty of this myself, of, of looking at youth and kind of lumping them all together, you know, as products of this seeker-sensitive, silly, weird, game-focused youth group movement that's so prevalent today. And I know that is actually not a fair thing to do, to lump them all together. But Todd is actually going to test that theory now. In the Bible Belt, it is not uncommon to bump into a professing Christian, but when asked to articulate their faith, mm, the details tend to be a little bit fuzzy. Should we lower the bar? Should our expectation for our youth be so low that they can't even explain what the gospel is? This is going to be a test. All right, who's my first guinea pig? My first person. <laughs> Watch your step. There's a bit of a pothole there. I think it has to do with global warming. What's your name? Emily Berquist. Emily, are you a Christian? Yes, sir. I just approached you. I have a knife in my back. I'm bleeding out. I've got 30 seconds to live. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you have to understand that Jesus loves you, but we're sinners. And so we're eternally separated from God. But he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And it wiped away all our sins. He took all our sins. Um, and now he's up in heaven. And the only thing you have to do is you have to profess your faith, confess your sin, and believe in Jesus. Love him with all your heart. You've got eight seconds. Anything you want to know? That was excellent. Thank you very much. Well done. Don't tell. There'll be no cheating here at the university. All right. Who's next? All righty then. This kid, he's going to do fine. He's got Bible verses on his T-shirt. All right, young man, what's your name? My name is Justin. Justin, I just approached you. Yes. I've got a knife in my back. I'm going down. I can tell. It's getting fuzzy. Yeah. I've got 30 seconds to live. I understand you're a Christian. What yes. must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, so first God commands all men everywhere to repent. Repent turns turning towards God from your sin and placing your faith in the sinless life, the sinless life that Christ lived, his substitutionary death on the cross, taking the wrath of God for our sin in our place. When I place my faith in him, God imputes the righteousness of Christ to me and his he um, his blood covers all my sins. And then three days later, Christ rose from the dead. He defeated death. God vindicated him um, for our justification. And when I place my faith in him, he gives me eternal life as a gift. Dude, he nailed it. Don't tell anybody. Would you go grab the next? Uh, did he use the word imputed? <laughs> Justified. Maybe the bar doesn't need to be as low as we think. Hi. All right. Get over here. I'm so glad that I bumped into you. You see, I've got a knife in my back. I'm going down. Things are getting a little bit cloudy for me. I think I've got 30 seconds to live. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You have to repent and put your trust in Christ, which means so Christ came down to this earth. He died for our sins. We were both worthy of hell. We deserve hell. But because of his sacrifice, we were able to have eternity with our Father. And so we have to repent, which means turn from our sin and put our trust in him, same way we would trust a parachute. It's not just kind of trusting him from the side, but we trust we cling to him for life. Dude, with four seconds to spare. Well done. Yes, one more, right? Yes. There's one more person. Hi. So here we go. Here's the deal. You can't see it at the moment, but I've got a knife in my back and I'm losing it. I'm bleeding out. I think I've got 30 seconds to live. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Go. To inherit eternal life, you want to believe in the person and work of Jesus, knowing him as fully God and the propitiation for our sins. He is a perfect sacrifice that can um, be, I can justify on behalf of us. He is the one interceding on our behalf. And so believing that he died on the cross for our sins, that we can be made righteous before a holy God, 
believing in him and that work is what gains us eternal life. Dude, well done. You and I don't know if somebody who struggles to articulate the gospel is saved, but it seems to me that it is not too difficult for a university student to articulate their faith in clear terms, not even using fancy words, but should be able to understand we're sinners. God is holy. We deserve his wrath. Jesus satisfies the wrath of the Father by dying on a cross for us while we were yet sinning, and we must repent and put our trust in him. All of our sins will be forgiven, and we will inherit eternal life. That is the gospel, the very essence of our faith. Can your son or daughter articulate the gospel? And, you know, that just proved me absolutely wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, it is another Witness Wednesday for the books, and we've got more Wretched Radio coming tomorrow. Until then, tomorrow, that is, go serve your king. <laughs>